say that? Does God really say you have to tithe or give? Or Does God really say that? See, nothing's really changed. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread, God tells Adam after he disobeyed him. And until Christ returned, man is always concerned with acquiring and managing their possessions. That, 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 that's like our daily routine, is it not? We get up in the morning, we need gas. All right, we've we, we got to make sure that the, the, the electricity is on. The TV don't work, new TV. Oh, my toaster broke, get a new toaster. The oven is a piece of junk, get a new oven. So, so our life, really, if you look at it, you boil it down to its common denominator, we're always concerned with these essentials, right? We're going on and on and on. Oh, the dryer doesn't work right. Throw it away, get a new one. Right, right, Debbie? We have a hard dryer. We want to, want to shoot it. But it you know, so we're always, we're always doing that, right? And so that's, that's who we are. Whether we admit or not, we are very concerned with that. Our resources directly or, or indirectly cause tension. Tension in the family, friction amongst husband and wife, strife and anger among siblings, frustration. And don't think it's the lack of money. No, I'm not talking about the lack of money. It's the resources themselves. Because more money just increases who you are. It doesn't change who you are. It just increases. You know what I'm saying? I've often said that money is a magnifier. Right? If you give a pervert a lot of money, he becomes a big pervert. It magnifies. You know, ask Harvey Weinstein and all the women he, he, he molested. Why? Because if he, if he was broke, he couldn't molest nobody but himself. But he was still a pervert. You give him a billion dollars, and it magnified who he is. So sometimes the very fact of who you are is that your heart is not submit to God. God said, I can't give you anything else because I've given you more to just make you worse than who you are now. So he's got to deal with you down here before he can take you up here. Right? So you must accept your position first. Well, let me back up. Say like this. If we want to seek God's best, does anybody want to seek God's best? Amen. He's established basic principles for the management of our life. Because that's what we're doing. We're, we're managing our life. Right? Everything that we consist of. One cannot experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit until they surrender complete ownership of their lives. And that's where the battle first begins. Well, I, I love Jesus. I love the Lord, but I ain't going to get that crazy. There's a holy roller out there. Hallelujah. Uh-uh. I don't believe it. I have my faith. I love my hand. I my hand. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how are you living your life according to the Word of God, not according to your faith. Because many faiths are not right. You can believe in, you know, I'm, I'm going to India, and, and, and their faith, they believe that Cows are ancestral beings, so that they can't kill the cows in their country. In a country of over a billion where there are hundreds of millions starving as their meal walks right by them. That's their faith. So you can't trust faith. You have to take your faith and establish it on, on God's word. Then it becomes faith. Hello. See, the, conversa- the conversion experience... And I say that good because you're, you're, you, you don't just come to know Jesus, you get converted to him. The conversion experience of peace in the area of family, the, the conversion experience of peace in the area of finances, and the, the conversion happening in your, one's life in the area of even friendship, right, cannot begin until you have surrendered total control of these very areas to God. 
Oh, you want your family to get better? Then you need to surrender them to God. Huh? You, you want your friendships to be better? Then you need to surrender them to God. Or find those who are surrendered to God. You want your finances to get better? It, it, it needs to be surrendered to God. In other words, why should God get involved in a mess? If it's your mess, then you keep it. If you want God to be involved in it, then you have to bring it to his altar. All of it. Right? In other words, and I, I was going to say this earlier, but I'll say it now. You must accept your position as stewards. Stewards. See, a steward is one who manages another's resource. A steward. You know, you ever go on a trip or like in a cabin if you're on a boat? They have a person called a steward, and you go in there, and they'll take your luggage, and they'll set you up. He's a steward because he's taking care of you because everything that he's grabbing a hold of is not his. It belongs first to the ship owner and those people. And then your stuff, he just, he's just a steward. He's managing it. See, and that's what we are here on, on, on earth. God had a purpose. He places on earth, and he wants to see how you handle his stuff. Because where you think you go, you go to work and you earn it. No, the Bible says God owns all the camels in a thousand hills. Huh? All good things come from heaven down to here. Everything belongs to God. Unless you were there when he created the mountains, then you might have part title deed on it. But if you weren't there, they belong to him. See, humans come in and say, oh, this is my land. Why? Because I made a title deed. I made a piece of paper. Wait a minute. That still belongs to God. He can wipe it out like that. He can. I'm reminded of that, that tsunami that hit Japan. Wiped, did, you see, did you see it on, on TV? Wiped it out. Title D didn't matter anymore. Wiped it out. So everything belongs to God. And once we come to understand that, hey, this is not my stuff, this is God's stuff. In fact, if you're real smart and you got a doctorate or master's or whatever and you've and you got an education, you got a great job, Listen, I'm going to let you know something. God gave you the ability to do that. Without God, you would have nothing. Don't think that, oh, I'm just smart. Why are, you, why are you smart? Because, no, for whatever reason, God decided to give you gifts. Yes. Yes. How do you use them? See, that's a steward. If you refuse to relinquish ownership, if any of us refuse to relinquish ownership of everything, then, then we can never experience God's plan for our lives. All you will have is your plan. And if all you want is your plan, we'll go for it. But you're not going to have God's plan. God, God's, either God's in control or he's not. Because you, you, sometimes you have this, you know, this little toe-in kind of Christianity. In the hokey pokey, right? You know how the hokey pokey, right? You put your left foot in, when your left foot out. Put your left. That's how people play church. They come to church, left foot in. No, no, no. God doesn't want you to put your left foot in or right. No, no. He wants you to jump all in. Amen. Get all in. Yeah. Yeah. He says it like this. I would have you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, <laughs> Jesus was cold-blooded when he said that, huh? What would Jesus do? He would spit people out of his mouth if they're lukewarm. That's what he would do. See, I'm not Jesus. I'm trying to help the lukewarm to get hot. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fix the furnace. I'm trying to light the pilot. Amen? So consequently, our lives will be characterized constantly by turmoil and anxiety if we're not submitted to God. Why? Because the world system breeds chaos and worry. Look around you. Look at the world today. The strife. 
the anger, uh, this side and that side, the left, the right, uh, the, the Sunni, uh, the Shia, right? You, you have on and all over the world, the black, the white, the green, the yellow, right? The whole world. The system that we're all fighting to, to, to live in huh, is, is ruled by chaos and worry. So you can, have, you can choose. You can either go for it, go in that world, and you know what you got coming. The bomb is clear. Or you can say, you know, no, I'm going to try it God's way. I'm going to try it God's way, and I'm going to see how this works out. Because God said he'll, he'll bless my life. So I'm going to go try this way. And the battle begins between the world system and God. Right? See, when you think of what is wealth, and I'm not talking about wealth, what is wealth? Or, or, and really, when we're talking about wealth, there's, there's an attitude that, that sh should encompass one's wealth. And how is God's will expressed in the era of our wealth? John D. Rockefeller Sr., one of the richest men in the world, his chief accountant was asked about John D. Rockefeller Sr. And they asked him, how much did John D. Rockefeller leave behind? How much money? And he was immensely wealthy. The accountant said, everything. Everything. So the thing that we struggle for, we fight for, we demand, is am I right? I need this, I need that, I need that. Everything gets left behind. So the first requirement to understand wealth is, is to remember that we, have, we will leave everything. The book of Ecclesiastes is very clear. It tells us that regardless of one station in life, man accumulates nothing. Oh, it just goes away. See, each person's wealth, I don't care how wealthy you may think you want to be, I don't care how many possessions, amount to nothing at death. At death. And see, I don't think we think about death enough. Sometimes we ought to think about death every now and then to make us sober us up and, and to pull back uh, probably 80% of our arguments. If we pull back and realize, I'm fighting over nothing. Boy, they, they burnt me for 50 bucks. They burnt me for 100 bucks. Hey, I will say this, man. If they burnt you for 50 bucks, it costs you 50 bucks to get rid of them. You made off. Give them another 50 as a thank you note. Huh? So as we investigate the New, New Testament, we see that God admonishes us not to store up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. Yes. What does that mean? And Pastor Sam said, well, souls. The only thing that's going to make it to heaven is souls. Nothing else. Soul. The soul of your neighbor, the soul of your child, the soul of your, your friend. The soul of the person you drove by and cussed out because they cut you off. That soul. That's the one that matters. That's the only thing that matters. So when you begin to determine wealth, that's why Matthew, let's read it again so we get a clear understanding of what he says. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where the thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Okay, you desire Jesus. How many desire Jesus? Yes. Then there where your treasure be. Some people have a nickel and dime Jesus. My Jesus ain't nickel and diamond. Huh? 
So how do you determine your wealth? I mean, that's, that's a thing that people are always fighting for. If you look at past civilizations, they would number the cattle or the camels they own, the land possessed, or maybe even the oil, especially in the United States or in Saudi Arabia, if they had land with oil, there's an oil of them. Even the Beverly Hillbillies got rich, remember? I'm old. Let me tell you about a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting that song. Okay, man. But it was all, there was all of them their hills. He moved from the, from, from the hillbilly country to Hollywood. Right? Movie stars, city of cars. Well, that's where he went. And everybody thinks that's, that's wealth. In the, in the early economy of the United States, wealth was always related to how much land one owned. Later, it began to shift from land to gold, silver, and other, other natural elements. Then all of a sudden, things happened. The Industrial Revolution, uh, Revolution began, and it shifted from these minerals and, and different things, and it began to shift to a thing that we hold dearly right now, money. Because people began to work in companies, in factories, and they weren't paid with cattle, cows, sheep, oil, can of oil. No, no, they were paid with money. So often begin to shift. In today's economy, we're looking at money. But really, and it gets deeper, because once a person reaches a point where money is not an issue, all of a sudden they begin to look for position. Because position is a, is a measure of wealth. Right? You know, that's why I'm amazed at politicians. They get in policy, they come into politics poor to serve the people, and they leave poli the political field multimillionaires. How do they do that? Because they have the position, and they're cutting deals. Cutting deals. Position is wealth. Professionals, doctors, attorneys, dentists, others are wealthy, even as they come out of, out of school. And they may not have a penny. They may be, and most lawyers come out of, out of law school at $120,000 in debt for their, for their school. Uh, doctors as well, 100 plus, 100 plus thousand in debt. But they'll still give them money. Why? Because their, their profession is a measure of wealth. Oh, this person's going to pay me back. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna earn something. So your profession, your education is considered wealthy, Right? See, creation has a use of our wealth. See, what we do, and, and here it is, it's not based on what you have or what you don't have. It's based on our attitude. We determine what our wealth can create. It's not how much. It's what you do with what you have and how you feel about it when you do it. That's why God said, don't give you're going to be all bum kicked. Keep it. Go ahead. And keep the anxiety and the pain that goes with it. Keep it. See, he doesn't care, but he wants to know our attitude about it. Huh? See, wealth can be used to spread God's word. Build hospitals, churches, feed the poor, take care of or orphans. See, see the, sh the shifting of wealth? Or it can also be wasted. Don't look around, but have you ever wasted any money? Well, you know what I'm talking about. It could be sp spent on frivolous activities. Anything. You know, I, you always hear you, uh, you, you only got enough money to last for like six days. You ain't got enough money for the whole week. Well, that, that was just how I was when I was growing up. You know, it's funny. When I grew up, I didn't know this till I got old. Right? I didn't know because my parents had a good attitude. 
I didn't know this until I got, you know, I was out. And I looked back at my life. I was probably 50 at the time. And then it hit me one day. I go, you know what? We were poor. And it took me 50 years to figure out that we were poor. Because the things I ate. So I, I just loved, you know, you know, bologna, fried bologna. I thought that was like, you know, filet mignon. You know, or, or I, my wife had this crazy stuff, and I don't like it. But they would eat it, not because they, and they learned to like it. And when I tell you what it, what it is, you're going to say, what? They were poor, too. They have a creation in their family. It's called mayonnaise spaghetti. Right? Mayonnaise. Who eats mayonnaise spaghetti? <laughs> and like it. <laughs> poor people. <laughs> but the thing about it is their parents had the right attitude. They were great. You know, they were grateful for their mayonnaise spaghetti. They were so grateful they liked it. So I used to get jam sandwiches all the time. You know what jam sandwiches? Two pieces of bread jammed together. That was about it. <laughs> and my mom would, would dress it up every now and then. She'd put butter on it sometime. And if it, were, if it was like for dessert, then she'd put a little canela, a little cinnamon and sugar. That was it. Oh, uh, like, a, like, a, like a Mexican cinnamon roll. <laughs> But it was the attitude. It was the attitude. Yeah. Later on, as I got older, all of a sudden I realized, you know what? Wow, my mother would take care of me. She spoiled me. And I, I had to be careful because she wanted to dress me up. And, and she goes, you need new clothes. No, I'm good. No, you need new clothes. I'm good. No, you need new clothes. All right. Here, she'd give me her credit card. Go buy some clothes. Uh-uh. I don't want to take your credit card. And she said, check it out. Because she knew if I took a credit card, I'd only buy one pair of pants and one shirt. I just felt guilty. I couldn't do it anymore. But I knew later on, if I let my mom go with me, she'd buy me like four shirts and four pair of pants. I said, Mom, why don't you take me? <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's the attitude, right? See, because wealth can be wasted on, you know, gambling. Anybody, don't raise your hand. You won't, you know, some people, I know some Christians, they, they have a hard time tithing, but boy, they'll run to Cripple Creek. Yeah. What's the difference? You know, excuse me if I'm stepping on tongue, I'm not trying to offend you. Just trying to bring out some, uh, some examples of why God wants, why we hold back God's blessings. If you want to, really, I don't really think God cares if you gamble or not. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't even talk about it. But he does care how you handle his precepts in the word. So if you neglect God's precepts and do these other things, now you have a problem. So, I don't know. But I do know this. You have to be obedient to this. That other stuff, I'm not, I'm not, that's above my pay grade. All I do know is this. I don't know about that other stuff. Amen? Now, don't say, God says it's okay to gamble. No, I didn't say it's okay to gamble. I gotta watch out, Big Rogers will be out there playing three card Molly. Come on, bro, let's go. <laughs> I know you guys, man. Wealth can be corruptive, right? It'll corrupt you. You used to purchase influence, bribes, hello, illegal businesses, corrupt. See, for Christians, wealth is what God entrusts to each of us as Christians, especially in this country. Now, when you go to other countries, this message wouldn't fly because they're poor. Very poor. 
you know, their, their daily wage, when I go to the Philippines in the province, is about five bucks a day. Their daily wage in, in Manila may be from 10 to $15 a day. So when you talk about wealth, but wealth is, uh, what is what's that word I'm trying to use? It, it's relevant to, the, to their country. In other words, their, their wages are enough to live there. So that doesn't excuse them from the principle. Because there are certain principles that transcend economic strata or monetary exchanges. Hmm? See, for a Christian, again, wealth is what God entrusts to each of us. From the world's perspective, we look at wealth. How do we look at this? See, creation of wealth revolves around the self-will. What do you want in life? What, what, what is your real desire? Because we talk about the desire. What is your desire? Right? My desire is to serve God and to win souls. That's it. So everything I think of, every single penny that comes to my mind and across my hands, how can I use this for that? This other stuff doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And if I need to sell my house because it'll benefit ministry, guess what? I'm selling it. Because it's not a big deal to me. What's well, a big deal to me? Because I know that treasure will rot and, and end up, I don't know. Right? But I do know this. If I use that to save souls, not only will God take my treasure to heaven, but he will take care of me here on earth. I believe that. Because that's what the Bible says. Not because I just believe it. Somebody told me, uh-uh. I went to school. I go, wait a minute, Jack. I remember when Pastor Steve would talk like this. I go, hold up, man. Let me read this Bible. And that, that, I got real deep into this stuff. I started looking at the Greek, the Hebrew, the Chicano, everything. I go, wait a minute. What are you talking about in here? Uh, what's up? I wanted to find out. Because I wasn't going to just fall for it. Like fried ice cream with chopsticks. Uh-uh. I was, I was gonna, I'm going to find out. And as you read the Word of God, just like if you're questioning what I'm saying, read your word of, God, word of God, and I dare you to find something different. And if you find something different, let me know, because I might try it. <laughs> but there is nothing different, man. Amen? There's nothing there. Huh? How much self-control and willpower do you have? See, if you want just to earn money, you can make money. I've t said that a lot of times. You can make money and become wealthy. You don't need God. The devil will surely bless you if you choose to. And when I say devil, it may not be Satan coming down with a pitchfork. You know, no, no, no. I'm talking about the world system will bless you. And you say, God bless me. Okay, I will say, okay, is God bless you? Okay, well then let me look at your checkbook and I'll tell you if it's God or the world system. I will tell. Very simple. Let me look at your ledger. If it's all world, 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 no, nothing godly. No, no, no. Listen, you are deeply entrenched in the world system. And you are being blessed. You got money. You might have a ride. You might be doing good. That all that stuff happens. But that is just because you get stuff doesn't mean God is blessing you. That means you are blessing you. Because I've done that. I've had when I came to the Lord, I was making seven to nine thousand a month. This is talking about 1983. So I know how to make money. I don't need God to make money. Are you kidding me? This is the last place you want to be if all you want to do is make money. Hmm? There's easier ways than have to deal with people like us. Hello, someone. <laughs> so individuals who spend their lives chasing money end up frustrated and miserable. Because huh? they really don't have an understanding why they have money. They've been taught that this is what you need to do, this is what you got to do, this is what you got to do. You know, get your retirement, get your house, get your car, get to this, get to that. And they've been taught that, taught that, taught that, taught that, thinking that's going to bring uh, joy and blessing. And that is not true. 
No. As death draws near, and listen, we're all, death is drawing nearer and nearer every single day. And I say this, and I'll declare this to the day I die. I have the benefit, the privilege of being on my deathbed. So when I, when I was laying on that deathbed, listen, I wasn't worried about what paying my Colorado Springs utility. When I was on my deathbed, I didn't care if they came and repossessed my car. When I was on my deathbed, I didn't even think about any of my clothes, oh my, my dry cleaning, oh my God, my dry cleaning. No, I didn't care about nothing. You know what I was thinking about when I was on that deathbed? God, did I do what I had to do? That's all I kept thinking about. I remember my wife coming, I told her, I began to weep, and I go, God, I didn't do enough. I can't die. That's the only thing I cared about. So I have, I have the privilege. I'm not just talking out the side of my neck. I've been there. Amen. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand of praise. We get lied to. You know, the, the, we call it, I call it a, a worldly folklore. You know what folklore is? And we have all these things. You know, it takes a break to get ahead. Right? Whoever gets that break is the one who gets ahead. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It takes money to make money. You ever heard that one? No, it's a lie. What money helps, but that's not what what it takes. Uh-uh. See, we, we we believe this. In other words, the rich only get richer. That's what it's saying. If you if it takes money to make money, then only the rich get richer. That means you're, you're destined to be poor. And I rebuke that. It doesn't take that. It takes obedience to the word of God, faithfulness to Christ. And you watch how God begin to prosper and bless your life. And you don't even know how. How does this happen? I don't know. I was walking along and somebody offered me a great job. Yeah, why? I don't know. I just walked along and didn't know what happened. Because God begins to put the favor on your life. God begins to shine light on you and people begin to look at you in a different eye. And I don't care how bad your past was. If you're in Christ now, don't worry. God will cover your past. In fact, he will use your past as a testimony to rise you up. He will use your past. Or even some people, I've been told this, you can't be too honest to get ahead. You ever heard that? You know, you got to be a little slick. Slicky, slicky slam. You're like, no, 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 no. You, know, oh, you must be willing to shade the truth. That's, you know why they do that? You got to be careful because if you, if you shade the truth, then you're shady. <laughs> right? Or this, if you're extremely honest with people, you will not be able to, to deal in the world system. So they're, they're saying, if you want to make money and you want to get involved in this system, then you need to learn to lie. You need to learn to cheat. You need to learn to steal because that's just how we do it out here. And people fall for that. Christians, I'm not talking about the world. They're supposed to fall for that. Believers, quote, unquote. I don't know what they're believing in. Right? No, no. See, these are lies that we're taught. None of these are God's principles. They are nonsense put out by those who seek to rationalize bad behavior. No, nonsense. The creation of wealth is a gift. Amen? The creation of wealth is a talent that God gives. For some, acquiring wealth is easier than it is for others. It is because some have a gift. You ever meet those people and they're in church and they have a gift? Like they just have a gift, man. And you ever look at them like, I want that gift. Well, you may get that gift, but you better be good, be good in the gift you have right now. Well, right? Don't be like that, the, 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 the person who says, Pastor, when I win the lotto, 
I'm going to help. I'm going to tithe and help you by the church. I don't want you to win the lotto because first, if you win the lotto, you'll go to hell because you, you, you can't even tithe off the dollar you have right now. Mm-mm. As a pastor, I said, please don't win the lotto. You're not ready for it. Now, some of you others who've been faithful, right? I hope you win the lotto. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. That's a different story. Huh. See, but achieving wealth is possible for anyone who is willing to sacrifice and to achieve by setting and reaching goals. Achieving wealth, it is. In God's plan, again, it's attitude, not aptitude that he honors. What is your attitude with what he speaks about in the Bible concerning your wealth? Huh? N- not the brightest, but the one with the best heart matter. The gaining wealth as an end in itself is a poor investment of a life. If all you want to do is gain wealth, that's a very poor investment. Why? Because the opening scripture says, store up your treasures where? In heaven. Not on earth. In heaven. Right? See, the, the investment of life. The, the, if all you want to do is make money. Listen, if you're going to make money, I'm going to tell you how to do it. It takes a great deal of time. You're going to have to spend hours, right? And the virtual exclusion of everything else, including family, friends, hobby, relaxation. If you want to make money, that's what it takes. you got to just forget everything else and focus. Because Listen, if you're going to be in church and want to live saved and be so sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and also make money, you're going to have to decide because you can't serve two masters. The choice. And then the hard part is because you might have the skills to acquire finances, right, business, but you're over here, you're giving that up. Why? Because you're going to trust God to provide. He never gives you enough. He always gives you more than enough. Right, he makes you more. He makes you the head, not the tail. He makes you the top, not the bottom. But not when you want. When he wants. That's, that's the issue of faith. We want it now. Because I can do it. God says, I know you can do it. That's why I don't want you to do it. Because you just mess yourself up. Get over here and let me do it. Amen. Darn it. Huh? Faith. Say faith. faith. Well, see, there's no correlation between wealth and joy. Right? That old philosopher. Right? John Lennon once said, no. But he did say, money can't buy me love. Right? Can't buy you. Can't buy me love. No, 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 no. I'll buy you diamond rings, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. Right? But it can't buy you love. Get you all the bling you want. And guess what? When you die, we're taking it off your fingers. So I ain't putting that diamond in there. You're crazy. You're tripping, girl. I'll take it. Put in the offering. Hmm? Nah. See, we need, now, now listen, let's not get dis, you know, discouraged about and look at wealthy people as a bad, no, wealthy people, we need wealthy, wealthy people are good people, yes. right? Don't be disturbed by the wealth, because we need to reach wealthy people. Either we have to reach wealthy people, or you need to become wealthy people. Simple, Right? Now, I know some of you say, let's, let's, let's become them, not reach them. No, we got to do both. We need to reach them, but you need to become them. 
Well, you make, you're, smart, you're smart in your stewardship. You make wise investments. You're, you're obedient to the word of God. God begins to bless. And then you're not talking in, in $100 bills. You're talking in $1,000 bills. You're not just talking in $1,000 bills. You're talking in $10,000 bills. Why? Because that's, that's your talk. Because that's where you're at. Because now you've come to a whole new level. Why? Because your attitude was right. You had the right attitude. You listened to the word of God. You believe what he said when you read it. Right? Because you're going to deal with the, uh, the, the Satan who is the prince of this world, who's going to attack you and try to put you off your kilt. Right? And we need to grow that up. The Bible says there in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. That's pretty clear to me. The blessing of the Lord. And here's the, the distinction. When you're doing it, your money will bring trouble. When God's doing it, his money will bring no sorrow. Will bring blessings. And you'll know it. You'll know it distinctively. Everybody will know it. Doesn't mean you won't be free of, of issues and trouble. But it won't be related to the, what God is doing in your life. You're going, to see the, you're going to see it for what it is. The devil's trying to attack me. Why? Because I'm, I'm reaching out to people. I am making a difference with all the wealth I have. John M. Huntsman Sr. died yesterday. Two days ago, I'm sorry. Now, you may not know who he is. I do. In 1974, Mr. Huntsman created the clamshell container for fast food sandwiches. Remember the middle of McDonald's? The foam thing? He made this. He went on to invent as many as 30 other popular products, including the first plastic plates and bowls. In 1987, his then 16-year-old son, James Huntsman, was kidnapped at gun at knife point from his driveway. The teenager was forced to call his father to arrange payment of $1 million ransom. Huntsman was a founder and longtime executive chairman of an $11 billion company. He was also the father of John Huntsman Jr. John Huntsman Jr. is alive today. He is, the, he is our current U.S. ambassador to Russia. He's the former Utah governor. His granddaughter, and he had like 60 of them or seven. he had a lot of them. But one of his granddaughter is the name, her name is Abby Huntsman. She currently is a co-host on the Fox News channel, Fox and Friends, on the weekends. Huntsman. The elder Huntsman gave away more than $1.4 billion. He said one time in an interview that his goal was to give away all his money before he died. Now, we don't know, and no one really knows if he actually gave away all his money they can only find, by their count, $1.4 billion. See, wealth being our money, our families, our creative abilities, everything we acquired since we arrived, and everything we must leave when we go. Because money is temporary. And somehow this man understood that. Left an example for his entire generation, generations, some of you said, you wish you were named Huntsman, huh? <laughs> See, the importance of money to God 
It's not the money in itself. It's how does how do you use it, or rather, how does money use you? As if we're being evaluated for this small sliver in time we call our lifetime, Jesus uses the way we handle wealth to determine our usefulness to him throughout eternity. See, because if you can't handle worldly wealth, why should he give you anything in eternity? Because you're you? You got it coming? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh Uh-uh. Our commitment to God's word is directly proportional to our use of money. Yes, it is. Let me say it again. Our commitment to God's word is directly proportional to our use of money. 2 Peter 3.11 says, Since everything will be destroyed, in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And what happened? We fall victim to myths. There's a myth. You know, have you heard this? Whoever said this, I feel like just for one minute, I can just get in the flesh and slap them. <laughs> Poverty is, is next to spirituality. That's a lie. Ooh, that's a big lie. I've, I've served God without money, been poor. And I've served God with money. And let me let you know on a secret. It's better to serve God with money. Okay, can I say that again? Uh-huh, it is. So there's no inherent virtue in poverty. Huh? There, there are dishonest poor people, just like there are dishonest rich people. What is poverty? Poverty make you more spiritual? No, it just makes you poor. And if you stay poor, it probably makes you dumber. Right? You don't see no dumb billionaires. People say, hey, I've seen them, and I'm just, you know, I I get amused. Oh, this guy, Donald Trump, and I'm not getting politics, but I'm going to say this. This guy, Donald Trump, he's a big dummy, dummy. And I listen to these people call him a big dummy, and I know they're mad. But I just think, you know, I wonder how many billion they have. Because you got to know something. Anyway, let's move back here. See, God never once relates spirituality to poverty, right? God condemns the misuse or the preoccupation with money, not money. God condemns the misuse or preoccupation with money, not money. Huh? So we need money. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that money is a defense. It, money is a good defense. You have money? You know what I mean? You can get a good lawyer. If you need a lawyer without money, you're going to jail. With money, you're walking. You're getting probation. Money's a good defense. You know, well, let me get back here. Romans 12, 6, and I'm coming into another landing. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. It says there, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to, to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. See, we have gifts. And you have to use them. And God will judge you based on the gifts he's given you and how you use them. 
Now listen, unfortunately or fortunately, depends on where you're at, we live in the United States where everybody is wealthy. Even the poorest, we have more pot money in our pocket, in our, in our pocket, the change on your dresser. We have more money than over 88% of the entire world. Everybody in this room. Even if you're not working, you got an EBT card. You got money. It's not even yours. You think it's yours, it's not yours. Somebody else gave it to you. Right? $200 EBT card. That'll pay somebody's rent, utility, and feed them for a month. In other countries, you're wealthy. So we're wealthy. So God promised that as we give it, he will give it back to us. See, money brings happiness is another myth. Conversely, there's another man, and I'm, I'm almost there. Over his lifetime, Howard Hughes became perhaps the wealthiest man in the world. Huh? Ten years before he died, he was forced to, share, to sell his shares in an airline company called TWA. They were the first airline company to be able to cross the Atlantic. The payout of $546 million, which equals to today's money, he received $3.8 billion. It was estimated that $3.8 billion was, only, was less than one-third of his net worth. When he died, he had a major problem. Hughes had no direct descendants, immediate family, and he didn't leave behind a will. Authorities were forced to accept the settling of a massive estate. And this wasn't going to be an easy thing. A battle ensued. Thousands of people came out and said he, they were related to him. He had, they had kids, uh, I'm his love child. They had two blacks, three Hispanics, and a Chinese. They all listened to him. They all come out, that's my daddy. <laughs> they were everywhere. Fighting, 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 fighting. The battle ensued between the temporary administrator of the Hughes estate. His cousin by the name of lawyer, a lawyer by the name of William Loomis, and those who ran the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. It was a multi-state war with Nevada, California, and Texas all claiming to be responsible for the distribution of the estate. Everybody wanted some of that money, even the states coming after him. And where was old Howard? The worms had him. Check this out. The liquidation of the estate was not completed until 2010, 34 years after his death. Listen, if you don't believe this preacher, believe this. There is no relationship between money and happiness. Howard Hughes, when they did an autopsy, was, was engulfed with syringes, need, with syringes and needles. He was a dope fiend. And he died a dope fiend. That's why Paul, talking to Timothy, says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's what I'm doing today. 
Because the Bible says to do this, to teach those who are rich. And as I said earlier, you're wealthy. You're wealthy. Everybody in this room is wealthy. Everybody on that, on that YouTube video, you're wealthy. And I have to admonish you. Huh? Do not be proud in your wealth. Or do not trust in your money, which is so unre unreliable, but rather trust in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't that good? Yes. While worldly wealth comes drenched with anxiety, anxiety with what we're going to do with the money, how we're going to leave it to our children. Will the children handle the money or will the money handle my children? Right? We, God wants to bless you with wealth for your enjoyment. Don't you want to enjoy everything you have? Uh, so to be wealthy is not a sin. That's a lie. Having money is not a sin. When God finds someone with a proper attitude, he blesses them with great riches. God gave riches to Abraham. Abraham, I like Abraham. Why? Because he's the father of our faith. And he, if he's the father of, my, of our faith, not only do I, want, do I want to mimic his faith, but I want to mimic how he handles his riches. God said, so it says there in Genesis 31, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock, in silver, and in gold. That's my daddy. I don't know who's your daddy. That's my daddy. Who's your daddy now? So what is the correct, as my piano player comes up, attitude about wealth to seek God's purpose for what is supplied to us so when you get the wealth don't just think he gave, gave it to you so you can what be happy no 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 why did he give it to you why is he planning to give it to you and what are you going to do according to his purpose there's got to be a reason it's not just for your self consumption Wealth is for a reason. It's for God's purpose, not just your purpose. Now, your purpose could be tied to God's purpose, but that's yet to be discovered by many. But why? Try, then, trust God in every circumstance. Trust Him. Psalms 8. Psalms 8, let's all turn there. Because when I think about it, God doesn't even have to care about us. Why does God care about us? That's what the writer of Psalms is telling us. In Psalms 8, verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? So you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with the glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. See, that's who you are. Huh? We are all confident that God really loves us. Are we not? Yes. God bless four of you. We say again, aren't we confident God loves us? Yes. Huh? Now because he loves you, now listen, he will give you, he will only give you the amount of wealth you can handle. Because he loves you. See, what are you doing with what you have now is a sign of what God will give you tomorrow. Let me say that again. 
what you are doing with what you have now, and you know this, is a, is a sign to what God is going to give you tomorrow. If you're holding back on God now, listen, you are not going to get any kind of blessing from God tomorrow. Or you can bless yourself, like I said earlier. That's on you. That's not on God. And when the trouble comes along with it, don't say, God, why? Because your pastor just right now told you why. You just got to fall into what God wants. Amen? Amen? It is possible to have perfect peace in finances. Once we commit our lives, all of us, to him, you will have perfect peace. Money, my friend, is a training ground for God to develop our trustfulness, our faithfulness, our faith in him. Money, God uses something so simple, a bunch of dead presidents to test where your heart is. Where, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Our opening scripture read, in verse 16, or rather chapter 16, verse 11. If you have not been trustworthy, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? When your money begins to talk, and listen, money talks. You ever heard, you know, now that was a good one. Money talks. Doesn't money talk? No, I, I added to it. Money doesn't talk. Money screams. Hey, what are you doing right now? No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't you dare get an envelope. How dare you even consider that? Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear nothing. Money will talk. Money screams. Is it screaming? See, when your money begins to talk, you will discover if you are faithful to God. Not me. To God. Christians have a difficult time trusting God in this area because they lack faith. Either we serve a big God or we don't. Huh? So we don't we, when Christians fail to be faithful in the principles here discussed in the Bible, then who are they trusting? See, what they're saying is, we don't believe, God, we don't believe that you will do the best for us. So I'm going to handle this myself. I really don't believe this. And then we have all these excuses. You know the excuses. Oh, I used to, but, you know, they hurt me. Uh, I used to, but look at these people. Oh, 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 I don't like the politics of the church. We're not talking politics of the church. We're talking about you and God and being faithful. All those other things are just excuses that the devil brings to keep you out of God's blessings. And if you fall for them, it's not because the lie was so good. It's because that's what you wanted to do. You're drawn away. The Bible also is clear that each man is drawn away by their own lust. So fear makes one have a tendency to want to withhold a part of what he has. So until we have experienced freedom, in the area of our wealth, we will never experience God's total plan for our lives. And today, God wants to set you free. Amen. Yes. He wants to set you free. 
You don't have to fight it. God wants to set you free. And it begins little. You go home. If your wife's with you, great. If not, rebuke her and say, we're going to become tithers. We're going to become givers. If your husband's on or vice versa, if your husband's with you, yeah, and you say, no, nope, well, we're going to become tithers. We're going to become givers. Why? Because you want God's blessing on your life. Amen. That's where it starts. Don't you want God's blessing? Amen. Don't let any man, don't let any situation, don't let any pastor, preacher that you've met in the past get in the way of your blessing with God. I want everybody to bow and everybody close. Has ever hit his body, right? Close. This morning, I'm going to open the altar to those who want to pray, who, who want me to pray for them, that God would begin to give them the grace to become givers, tithers, faithful, united with camp members, another form of offering. And that goes, doesn't go here, it goes somewhere else, but you're still involved in giving. Why? Because that's where God's blessing is. That's where God is blessing our ministry through the areas of United We Can, reaching the world, through tithes, through offerings, through pledges. That's how it works. It's not a magic trick. If you want to be included in this prayer, maybe even you're in the home, and you ain't got a job yet, but some of you are holding. Yeah, yeah. But when you get a job, you can say, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to be faithful. I tried it the other way, and you believe them. I'm going to ask you to believe me. Try it this way. You see how God blessed you. If you say that's you, as we sing the song, the altars are open.